Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. We're glad to have you today from all over the United States and around the world, studying with us and listening in, downloading our study material. We hope it's a blessing to you. Uh, please feel free to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel Direct Messaging. We would love to hear a word of encouragement, a question, uh, or whatever else you may have on your mind. Uh, we just appreciate you being a part of our podcast. So today we're beginning session two on the topic of who operates in faith. We'll begin there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 in just a moment. I want to remind you about my book, Mike Springston, uh, I Surrender, Amazon, and in your bookstores. It will bless you. And then um, um, we want to go to God in a word of prayer before we go into the Bible study tonight. And I know there are many needs of those that listen but there is no greater need than the Word of God. There is no greater need than the Word of God. Why you uh, would say or ask, well, because if you can know the Word of God, then He will supply every need from the riches that are contained in the Word and in the revelation of the Word of God and in Jesus Christ. So we're talking about faith. It's an integral part of our lives as Christians. And the more we know about it, and the more we understand about it, the better we will be able to execute this great Christian life. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God says to us. And then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, we ask you to speak out of the Godhead through the Holy Spirit and show us what we need to know, do, demonstrate, and understand. As the Holy Ghost reveals it, we will be faithful to receive it, and then we will be further faithful to release it to your people so your people can be corrected, so your people can be educated, so your people can be knowledgeable, and so that your people can be blessed. We give you all the glory and honor for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2.14 begins our study today. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now they are spiritually discerned, and we're talking about who can use faith the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, and that's because they fail in the expression of faith. For this reason, the natural man cannot receive the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. Now, wait a minute. The Bible says that every man is given the measure of faith, and yes, that is true, 
Paul here answers what the natural man has done with the offering of the gift of faith. Let's look at it again. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. They are foolishness because he has a mind and intellect and a will. And that mind, intellect, and a will which becomes his own God says, what do I need faith for? I have my own ability, my own will, my own intellect, my own ability to think, calculate, and analyze. Then Paul says, neither can he know them, neither can he know the things of the Spirit of God, because they are spiritually discerned. So the world does not willingly refuses to receive faith. They do that because it's a thing associated with the Spirit of God. And because of that, to them, it's a foolish gift. It's the gift that's not wanted because it's perceived that it is not necessary. Why do I need that? I can think on my own. I can create on my own. I can work and buy and purchase and have on my own. They uh, have their own ability to analyze, calculate, and decipher. What would they need to have the Spirit of God's gift of faith for? They can think it up. All they have to do is just bear down hard enough, and they can come up with an answer. Faith is not known by those who deem it foolish. Now, I did not say it is not available. I did not say it would not be tapped into if the message of reproof came their way. It certainly would be. But the use of it is unrequired because it is perceived to the natural mind as unnecessary. They have themselves to rely upon. They have their own wisdom to pursue. So let me show you, when the reproof of the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit begins to deal in a man and he begins to show the man the spiritual-to-spiritual comparison, where they are in the spirit world and where they need to be based on what Jesus Christ has done for them. Well, automatically in them, there is faith that is released to receive what the Holy Spirit has uncovered and convicted them of and is attempting to uh, convince them of. And so faith now is the mechanism that the natural man is going to use to tie in to the new birth. But all too frequently, the natural man gets up and walks away. He rejects what the Holy Ghost is uncovering in him. Faith now has been released in him to receive what the Holy Ghost, the spiritual thing that the Holy Ghost is doing in them. As soon as they reject it, that door of faith closes. They go back into their natural mind, seeking their natural way, doing their natural things. Now let's say that sometime in the next day or so, they begin to think on and mull on the spirit of which they're living and the spirit of which the Holy Ghost has offered them in the freedom of uh, a new birth in Jesus Christ. 
And they begin to mull on that and meditate on it. And the Holy Spirit begins again to convict them and to begin to convince them. Faith is released in them again. Because we're talking about the uh, activity of a spiritual thing done by the Spirit of God. Now in their natural mind, they're not going to receive this. But whenever they are being dealt with by the Holy Spirit, their faith door is open to them. Now let's say they reject it again, and off they go back out to serve their natural mind. What happens to faith? Faith closes up again. It has nothing in the spirit world to attach itself to. You see how that works? Faith is going to attach itself to something that is birthed in the inner man. Whenever you shut down the birthing, when you abort the birthing, then faith closes the door. Man goes back into his natural mind. Now let's say that sometime later, this man begins to mull again on what he has heard. The Holy Spirit begins to deal with him. Faith again is released. The opportunity, the availability of faith is released. And let's say that in this case, that man releases that faith to receive and believe what the Holy Ghost is attempting to convince him of, and he gets convinced, and faith is released. And faith grabs the message of the new birth. Now, faith has come into a spiritual thing. And all of a sudden, the spiritual thing in the man is discerned and faith goes into operation. The outcome is the individual gets saved. Now, if one denies the, con the reproof of the Holy Spirit, the convicting and the convincing of the Holy Spirit, faith being available to them to use, to apply what has been uh, uh, going on in their spirit man by the Holy Ghost, faith closes the door. They go back into their natural and they live after their natural and they seek after their natural because faith will only operate whenever it is operating among and because of a spiritual thing, you see. So now, let's cover one more base before we move forward. People say that uh, the opposite of faith is fear. But yet we want to say that we're operating in faith in a perverted form. Well, I think we've shown you that there is no such a thing as perverted faith because natural man and the natural mind doesn't run around in fear all the time. I think what we've shown you is, is that there is faith that is a spiritual activity that can be applied to spiritual things when spiritual things are uh, ministering and working in the inner man. And then there is the natural man. The natural man becomes man's own God. It's not a perverted faith because it's not faith at all as applied to the message of the gospel in spiritual things. It becomes man's ability to use his own thinker to become his own God. And so as we look through this, we now can clearly see how faith operates, and it is it actually is in every man, uh, but uh, it only becomes 
a spiritual faith, whenever that faith is operating in such a way to attach faith to something in the man that is being done spiritually. So do, do nat- does natural man operate in perverted faith? Well, uh, does stopping at a stoplight or sitting in a chair divine, define perverted faith? You know, for years, that's how people tried to define faith. Well, no, it doesn't. Man is a thinker. He has been taught through his own wisdom that these things were des- what these things were designed to do. Therefore, he responds from his ability to think on his own. Well, friend, your ability to think has no relationship to faith. Look, faith is believing in something we cannot see, expecting that it will manifest the precise results that will be seen. That's a big statement. Faith is believing in something we cannot see, expecting that it will manifest the precise results so that those results will be seen. The stoplight and the chair analogy do not qualify where faith is concerned. Verse 15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Our faith is the avenue to spirituality. It qualifies us to look beyond what our natural senses discern. The natural man does not seek to judge anything or anyone by spiritual means. Now he does judge, and he judges harshly, without reverence, without love, without uh, even times doing right. And he was willing, the natural man, to judge very quickly, to draw up sides very quickly. But what he judges upon is where the difference is. He judges upon the interpretation of man-made laws. He judges upon the benefit of the situation to him or her directly or the benefit of how what they judge is going to impact the narratives of which they support. So in essence, each person, when it comes to judging in the natural, is a god unto themselves. They make their own choices. This is the foolish wisdom of the faithless. Verse 16, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Grace, the substance, and the blood of Jesus, when coupled with our faith, defines for us the mind of Christ. It's from the mind of Christ that we're able to access by faith the things of the Godhead that are freely given to us. Faith in what Jesus Christ says instructs us. The use of faith is the pathway to be instructed. Faith in in what we cannot see manifesting what becomes seeable and becomes tangible reality is how the mind of Christ serves to enlighten and engage our spirit. So when we use the wisdom of our own thinker, we cannot engage in the instruction that comes from the mind of Christ. Why is that? Because we block off spiritual content. We literally say that what we think about a matter, a situation, a circumstance, is better than what he thinks. We say that our thoughts about it are better, deeper, and more functional 
than his understanding of the situation or circumstance. Why? Because we think that through the natural eye of man, we can perceive the insight into what's going on because we see it happening. Man proceeds to tell the Lord then what to do and how to do it. So man becomes his own instructor by his own wisdom. In so doing, he defines himself to God as a God himself. In so doing, man in his own wisdom tells God what to do and when to do it, how to do it, where to do it, what he wants God to do it on. Doing this as if God is impressed by our own natural wisdom concoctions. But we can have thinking from the mind of our Lord. We, by using our faith, can access his rhema, his word of revelation. This becomes his revelation or his utterance that proceeds from the throne room where he resides as the man in the Godhead bodily. That's great news because our faith now can attach to his mind. His mind, according to John 1, is a creative mind. His mind is the expression of the faith of the Godhead. His mind reveals the things that are freely given to us. Now watch. The plan of God was freely given to us in John 3.16. The plan of faith was freely given to us in Ephesians 2 and 8. Wisdom from above is given in James 1.5. Where does it come from? The mind of Christ. How do you get it? By the correct application of the gift of faith. All good gifts are given according to Matthew 7.11. From where and how? The answer is the same. One must get out of his own thinker and proceed into the mind of Christ. How do we do it? By faith. Every good thing is given and every perfect gift is from above according to James 1.17. Now watch this. The good thing is the result of the perfect thing. What's that? Jesus Christ our Lord. He offers us his mind which is full of overcoming instruction. He has given the poor in righteousness according to 2 Corinthians 9.9. That is the result of faith. But it is not the conclusion of faith. It's the beginning of what faith can accomplish. As we have seen, this action opens the door to the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is the place where the instruction of the Godhead is revealed. From here, things are freely given according to Romans 8 and 2. Once our faith is fixed on the correct object, we can ask, seek, and knock, and whatever we ask, seek, and knock for, shall be given to us. Yes, it comes from the instruction produced by the mind of Christ. That mind has become our mind by faith. Then we have the dynamic peace that Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead has provided for us. He gives it to us. My friend, the process has not changed. So, it circles back to grace He is grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. 
He has given these two immutable things to those who have used the measure of faith that they were given and used it appropriately. They've surrendered their internal desire. Now watch this. To be their own God. They come out of their own thoughts and bring their thinker under the control of the mind of Christ. Grace and the blood are given to them and by the grace and the blood they are able to grasp what grace and the blood are doing and they grasp it by faith. The outcome is not one that can find a shred of ability that man may be able to boast in as he concludes that all that has been done and is being done by attaching my faith to the two immutable things are provided by the Godhead. How does the Godhead respond? They respond as the mind of Christ. They instruct, they guide, they direct, they show, and they give what needs to be said as faith is being exposed and the reality is being manifested. This faith walk becomes the ability to coordinate. Now watch it now. Heaven and earth. This is done by applying the two immutable things. Heaven and earth are in agreement concerning what these two things will accomplish when the correct application of faith is applied. It's not a walk in which the natural man can be engaged. It's not a walk in which the natural man can be engaged. It is not a walk in which the natural man can be engaged. It is a walk that encompasses the surrender of the natural man and the giving of oneself as a sacrifice. When one gives his part and by faith sacrifices himself, his mind is renewed. The renewed mind is now open for the instruction required to overcome the world. We circumvent that opening, however, if we choose to remain in our own thinker. That means if we choose to continue to seek worldly things above spiritual things, if we continue to harass God for things that our Western world tells us is important, money, houses, cars, land, if we continue to live there and circumvent what faith is all about and remain in our own thinker, then, my friend, we're really rejecting the gift of faith. We lose the ability then to think soberly under the influence of the free gift. We block the avenue of heavenly instruction. We do so intentionally because we think that we should be instructing God. What a sad comment. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace you save through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we find grace to be a gift of God with some powerful activation potential. Faith is the activator of grace. Now for years we've looked at grace as if it were a new word devised in the divine design for the purpose of doing something that was prior to its exposure not doable. Grace is not a new word. As John 1 describes Jesus Christ as both grace and truth. So what is grace? It is Jesus Christ and his shed blood. It is his accomplishments. It is his names and his titles. It's his work of dying and being the healer. 
It's his work of burying the flesh and preserving the spirit. It's his victorious work of deliverance that named him the anointed and victorious Christ. It is his title of high priest who by the sprinkling of his blood made the believer safe. It is his title of Lord that made man sound. It is his position of return as the man in the Godhead bodily that made man complete and whole. This is who grace is. Now what does grace do? Well, grace brings about the opportunity for man to walk in the favor of God, the opportunity for man to live under the influence of God, the opportunity for man to do things like God, do the things that God does. And then grace gives us the opportunity to operate out of an open window of heaven whereby all of the promises of God are yea and amen in him. Grace when positioned with these acts that all have their beginning in the shed blood becomes the power plant for eternal activity. Now the applicator is applied, and that is faith. You operate the faith. This dynamic gift of the Father, only when it is applied correctly, will work with grace and the work and acts of Jesus Christ in the spiritual arena. Now from his works, what has grace done? He has opened the avenue of God's favor to man. From this favor, he has offered forgiveness and healing for and from sin. He has offered influence for daily living. He has offered the open door to the way God does things, and he has opened the uh, heavenly economy of divine judgment, where every promise is yea and amen in him. His work is extensive, both from the price he paid to achieve the outcome that would redeem mankind and the revelation of means that would be used to bring redemption's availability to mankind. My friend, this is awesome stuff. Having identified who grace is and what it must be associated with, what have these two accomplished? Nothing on their own merit. They're appropriated and awaiting the method of application. Now picture this if you will. When I was a child, young, I was a baseball player. I regularly would burn my hip as I executed a slide. In baseball terms, it's called a strawberry. I would go home and show it to my mother, and she would get out her home remedies. That always included methylate and some antibiotic cream. Now, the methylate worked great, but it burned like crazy. So for me to take the bottle and apply it, especially in the location of the burn, was not feasible. So I had the remedies, but I had no means to apply it. Mom would take the applicator and apply both of the methylate and the antibiotic cream directly to the affected area. It was a bit uncomfortable, but when applied correctly, in a very short period of time, the burn would heal and I was back to sliding again. My friend, the ingredients of our faith to be used needs to be used as the applicator. There is no doubt about that. But until we appropriately apply faith uh, and, and along with grace and the blood, they remain as nothing more than a promise. This is of critical understanding right here, friend. The promise is sure, and the immutable things that make the promise sure are sitting already. They're waiting to be taken. But there is an applicator. There is something that activates them. It's called faith. 
They're already purchased even. They're sitting as, if you will, on a layaway plan in the storehouse of heaven awaiting for your faith to acquire them by simply placing your claim to them. Now, someone would, would, would misconstrue all of this and put faith into the things they see, those things that the world tells you that faith will give you. I'm not talking about that. The Bible said that he will take care of even the sparrows, the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. Surely he's going to take care of you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. So what I'm talking about here is a faith that ministers into the spiritual things. It's the spiritual things we need. If we will get our spirit man right, he will show us through the gifts of the spirit exactly what we need to do in the natural world to be at the advantage that's what the term prophet withal means. Now this is critical because most of us think that faith is the ingredient that forms what is desired. No. Faith does not form. Grace and the blood form. Faith is the applicator that activates them. The things desired are already formed for us. If it were not so, Paul misunderstood the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 2 and in 1 Corinthians 1.20. Promises that are yea and promises that are amen are waiting to be picked up. They are not waiting to be created. They're waiting to be applied. They're waiting to be claimed. Prepared promises that are made for those who love him are waiting and faith is the access. The one who reveals the free things that are in heaven has already got it ready. All we have to do is understand how to use the applicator. So it becomes imperative that we identify the source required to appropriate the work that's already been made available to the believer. What is the source? The answer to that is the gift of God. Now we have identified prior a few of the things that God has given. All of them are important to the believer. But none of them have the significance of the access code. If you don't know how to use the access code, then what's on the inside remains unattainable to you. For you, it is as if it were unavailable. Seeing something through a glass ceiling is difficult and devastating. You know it's there, but you have no means to get to it. That's why people become thieves. They see it, they know it's there, they have no way to get it, and the only way to do it is to go in and thieve it, take it. doesn't belong to them. These things become mentally challenging and can lead one into oppression, depression, and other elements of fatigue. For this reason, people revert to their own thinking. They don't know how to access what they see or hear, so they begin to rationalize the reality of its existence. It's very easy to devise a mental image of a reality that one can identify with that excludes or creates a scenario as to why it's unavailable or makes excuses for what 
why what they see or hear is not coming to them. We're in that in this world right now. This racism deal falls right into this category of mental fatigue. And so they devise an image that creates a scenario of how come these things that they want, that they see, are not available to them. And in doing so, they produce a scapegoat. There are times when we try to help God by questioning our worth and value. We make excuses for God as to why it's not His time or even His will. And these, of course, all sound good and they often placate our minds. This is often done to the extent of finding comfort in the new reality of which we ascribe. Now allow me to ask, does God need help with the work of Jesus? Or the acts associated with grace? Well, of course not. He's accepted them, and they are true in all three worlds. So are you telling me that if I use the God-given gift of faith correctly, I can guarantee that my faith will activate the saving grace of who Jesus is and what he has done? Of that, my friend, there is absolutely no doubt, and there will be absolutely no argument. Well, if he is so absolute in the process of these two immutable works that they are being activated by faith and that being the gift of God that absolutely saves the seeker, then why is he so slack concerning everything else of which the same man named Grace has provided his name and his titles? Well, if faith saves us by grace and we know who grace is and what grace has done, then why is faith not seeming to provide for us the things we seek? We have taught, our, taught ourselves into a faith walk that does not match the activating faith that came to us as a gift. How did we do it? We made our faith about ourselves. We made our faith about our needs. We made our faith about our wants. We made our faith about our desires. And we forgot what the faith of Jesus Christ was built upon. The author and finisher of our faith did not build himself on kingdoms, although he is the king of a kingdom. He did not build himself on houses because he had nowhere to sleep. He not, did not build his faith on having great things because he had nowhere to lay his head. He did not build his faith on having the provision of all kinds of food because he went to a fig tree and that fig tree was barren. He didn't build his faith on any of that. He built his faith on a spiritual thing. And from that faith, he discerned spiritual things. Out of that came a man that Paul declared is a king. Matthew declared him as a king. The Gospels declare him as the Son of God and the Son of Man. John declared him as eternal, creator, personal, life, illumination. See, Jesus put his focus on the right thing. He applied his faith in the right area. 
And from that faith, all of the manifestations of which were required by Jesus Christ, which were then required by the apostles, which were then required by Paul, and which were then required by everybody that turned the world upside down, all came into clear focus. Who operates faith? Not the one who attempts to manipulate God by making the things he sees in a material world to be the focus of his faith. No, no. The ones that are going to operate faith are going to operate it from the Spirit of God concerning the things of the Spirit of God. And they're going to put their trust and faith in God who has already promised that He would provide and produce for you of whom we have already read throughout the Old Testament the wonderful and magnificent provision of an almighty God for an entire country and people and nation. Yeah, we're going to put our faith in something spiritual. And we're going to watch God begin to manifest the spiritual. And in the meantime, we're going to say with Paul, My God shall supply all of my need according to to his riches in Christ Jesus. For we, my friends, are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus, and we are created unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in the good works of the Creator Christ Jesus, of whom we are manufactured to be like. Father, I praise you today for your word. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Good to talk with you. Study the word of God. It will move you. It will change you. It will open your eyes. Get your focus on spiritual things and spiritual discernment. And from there, your faith will take wings and take you places that you never dreamed you could go. May God bless you until we speak again.